All right. So the sermon this morning is entitled, The Giver of Good Gifts. And as the recipients of these gifts that I'm going to talk about, I hope that this afternoon you leave this place with a heart full of thanksgiving, a heart full of gratefulness. That's the purpose of this this sermon this morning. And so I, I just wanna spend some time talking about Jesus, talking about Christ. Jesus was the most giving and selfless person who's ever walked this earth. He gave us his life, he gave us his death, and he gave us his resurrection. That is how giving he is. And we're gonna be going over a number of Bible verses today. And my prayer is that you allow the Holy Spirit to lead and guide you this morning as you listen, as you read. Try and hear Jesus' voice speaking to you as he reminds you of just how much he gave to you, just how much he loves you. So let's see if the Bible can answer the following question for us. That question is simply, what did Jesus give us through his life, through his earthly ministry while he was here on this earth? And I believe that the words of Jesus himself can answer this question. John 14, six, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is the door that opens to the Father. Jesus is the path that leads to the Father. Jesus is the permission slip to visit the Father. However you wanna look at this, however this speaks to you, know that he gave us a way to approach the Father. He's the good, he's the 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 giver of good gifts, and a way to the Father is a good gift. His life brought us to the Father, and as we'll see a little bit later this morning, his death further expanded upon that. But for now, Matthew 11, 28, Jesus speaking here, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Are you tired? Are you exhausted? Are you worn out or burned out or tapped out? Today, as you experience your Sabbath rest, this gift that was given to all of us, I hope you take a moment and just reflect upon and realize that the Sabbath, the weekly Sabbath rest is but a preview of the ultimate rest that we have in Jesus. He gave us rest for our very souls. He's the giver of good gifts, and rest is a good gift. Matthew 10, 19 through 20, Jesus speaking again. But when they deliver you up, do not worry, about how or what you should speak, for it will be given to you in that hour what you should speak. 
For it is not you who speak, but the spirit of your father who speaks in you. You may feel that you lack the skills to share Bible truths. You may believe that you don't have enough knowledge or information to defend your convictions. You may worry about standing for your faith when that time comes. But Jesus doesn't want us to worry about such things. He gave us confidence. He is the giver of good gifts. And godly confidence is a good gift. Confidence that we aren't alone. Confidence that the Holy Spirit will give us the right words at the right time. Confidence in Christ. Matthew 6, 19 through 20. Once again, Jesus speaking here. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. Do you struggle to turn off the need for more? Do you feel enslaved to the economy, to your job, or to gaining more wealth? Does your bank account or 401k take precedent over your future in heaven? Jesus has got you insured. He gave us the vaccine against greed. He is the giver of good gifts. And heavenly treasure is a good gift. His gentle reminder that the things of this world will at some point soon all go up in smoke is followed by the reality that the things that we store up in heaven will never be tainted, be stolen, or lose their value. Good works, an ethical character, and bringing others to Jesus will never be fruitless in the eyes of eternity. Heavenly investments are always good investments. And in a similar vein, Matthew 6, 33 through 34, Jesus said, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Now, it's easy to become anxious and to get worried in this life, especially when we get caught up thinking so much about the future always thinking about the what-ifs or the possible soon-to-comes. But Jesus offers some help. He gave us the antidote to worry. He is the giver of good gifts, and contentment is a good gift. Don't spend your time worrying about the future. Learn to live in the present and take care of what needs to be done today. Learn to be confident with not knowing what the future holds. 
Thursday night, I spoke at Parkview's eighth grade graduation. And their class motto, I think, is something that we could all learn from, that we would all do well to live by. The motto was, cherish yesterday, live for today, reach for tomorrow. Remember, dear friends, you are not God. You can't know the future. And I believe that there is actually some comfort that can come from that. 500 years ago, Michel de Montaigne said, my life has been filled with terrible misfortune, most of which never happened. And now there's a study to back this up, to prove this. A few years ago, research was conducted that looked into how many of our imagined calamities never actually materialized. In this study, participants were asked to write down their worries over an extended period of time and then identify which of their imagined misfortunes did not actually happen. Lo and behold, it turns out that 85% of what participants worried about never happened, 85%. And with the 15% that did happen, 79% of those participants discovered either they could handle the difficulty better than they thought or the difficulty taught them a lesson that they believe was worth learning. This means that 97% of what you worry about, 97% is not much more than a fearful mind punishing you with exaggerations and misperceptions. So as Bobby McFerrin said in the 1988 smash hit single, don't worry, be happy. Happiness can brighten up your day. It can brighten up your day. And speaking of things that are bright, Matthew 5, 16, Jesus said, let your light shine so before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. That light that God has given each of us can be seen by others. Our happiness, our light, our life lived in connection with God's spirit can lead people to see that God is good. Your light is meant to shine in this sin-darkened world. Jesus gave us a job. He gave us a purpose. He is the giver of good gifts. And having a purpose, knowing your purpose, is a good gift. Don't let Satan deceive you into believing that you aren't important. Don't ever lose sight of the fact that you are important in God's eyes. You have a purpose. There is meaning to your life. And what is the meaning to your life as a Christian? It's to be a lighthouse for God's goodness, for all of those that are still stranded out in the dark, billowing, stormy sea of life. You're called to be a lighthouse. The light that God has given you can lead others to the safety that only exists in Jesus. 
Satan wants to bash them to bits against the rocks. But with God's help, you can play a role in leading them home, leading them to safety. In a similar fashion, John 8, 12, then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Not only did Jesus give us a purpose, but he gave us direction. Direction. He is the giver of good gifts, and having direction in this life is a good gift. We're not left to wander around just trying to make up or figure out what our purpose is alone. Jesus will show us the way. The question is, are we looking? Are we looking? Are our eyes locked on him? John 4, 13 and 14, Jesus answered and said to her, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. We live in this barren, dry desert that is the fallen earth, a lush planet that once was so alive has dried up. It's been ravaged by sin. And our bodies, though, they are still more water than anything else. We drink and we drink day after day, but still our thirst never seems to be quenched. This world gives us despair, but not Jesus. He gave us hope. He is the giver of good gifts, and hope is a good gift. In Christ, our hope is awakened. In Christ, our hope is revealed. In Christ, we find the only water that can quench our thirst for life, for meaning, and for happiness. John 14, 27, Jesus said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you, Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. This world offers us much fear and trouble, right? I mean, just turn on the news. It can become overwhelming at times, but Jesus offers us something better. He gives us peace. He is the giver of good gifts, and peace is a good gift. The Bible tells us that the kind of peace that Jesus offers, that Jesus gives, is the type that surpasses all understanding. It's beyond our comprehension because it's like nothing we've ever experienced in this life, in this sinful world. No amount of money, no amount of security, no amount of fun can offer us the type of peace for our souls that Jesus offers. As we have seen, the life of Jesus is more than just a bunch of nice stories that we merely read and talk about. The life of Jesus offers us an experience 
and a relationship unlike anything else we've ever seen. Yet Christ did not just come to live. No, our Messiah also came to die. He came to die. And with this in mind, we move to the next part of the sermon, and I ask this question. What did Jesus give us at the cross? What did Jesus give us at the cross? Jesus gave us his life as an example, but he also then laid it down for us. But what more can we gain by reflecting upon the death of Jesus? John 19.30. So when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. Now, I know that that specific terminology isn't something that we use very much nowadays in the everyday vernacular, but I believe some other verses can help us capture the true meaning of what is conveyed by this statement, he gave up his spirit. Genesis 2-7, and the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground, breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. Some translations say soul. You see, when God created mankind, he took some dirt, he formed it into the shape of a body, and then he breathed into it. It became a who. The unconscious became conscious. Matter mixed with spirit and brought forth the life of humanity. This breath of life, as it is called, is also referred to as spirit. The writer of Ecclesiastes tells us, then the dust will return to the earth as it was, and the spirit will return to God who gave it. So once again, we see the same equation. It's just now in this verse, it's in reverse order. Genesis shows the coming together of dust and breath to create a human, Ecclesiastes shows the human coming apart at death and becoming nothing but dust and breath. And notice how this verse here, it refers to that breath as spirit. Spirit. It's the Hebrew word ruach. The spirit that came from God is the breath of life. Without it, nothing would live. Nothing would live. It's the spark of humanity. So when John tells us, gave up his spirit, he is letting us know that Jesus died. He actually died. It wasn't a trick. That breath of life that was in him, that gave him life, went back to the Father. Jesus gave us his life. He is the giver of good gifts. And his life is a good gift. And he gave it up for you and for me. Christ paid the ultimate price because he believed that you and I were worth it. We were worth it to him. Isaiah 59, 1 and 2 couple sobering verses. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened, 
that it cannot save, nor his ear heavy that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated you from your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. In the Garden of Eden, mankind chose the way of sin as opposed to choosing God's perfect way. Adam and Eve, who were up to that point truly connected with God, created something that C.S. Lewis terms as being a great divorce, a great divorce. Sadly, this great divorce did not just stop with Adam and Eve. Romans 5.12 says, Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men because all have sinned. We've all sinned. We've all divorced God. We've all brought death and sin into our lives, into our homes. Humanity was separated from God. And at that moment, at that time, they had no hope of a return until Christ's death. 1 Peter 3.18, for Christ also suffered once for sins, the just for the unjust. Jesus is the just, we are the unjust, just in case that isn't clear. That he might bring us to God. We were separated from God, we divorced God, but Jesus came and extended an invitation back. He gave us back our connection with God. He is the giver of good gifts. And a connection back to God is a good gift. We are no longer orphans. We are no longer lost. We are no longer disconnected from our God and our creator. Jesus bridged the gap. 1 John 3.16, by this we know love, because he laid down his life for us, and we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. I think it's quite beautiful how 1 John 3.16 and John 3.16, they fit so well together. But Jesus, he laid down his life for us, yes, but that isn't all that he did on the cross. He also gave us an example to follow. He's a giver of good gifts, and a good example to follow is a good gift. Christ's example is for us. Christ's life can be ours. Jesus showed us what true love actually looks like. There's a lot of ideas, a lot of concepts in the world today about what love is, but Jesus showed us what it actually was so that we would be able to extend it to someone else when that time comes. And this doesn't just have to be in connection with the the extreme of literal death. We can lay our life down for others on a daily basis when we choose to put somebody else's life before our own. If we choose to put their wants, their needs, 
their desires before ours. We can, through the power of the Holy Spirit, follow Christ's example every single day of our life. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. Paul just tells us how it is. Paul is very real. He's brutally honest. But he, he puts that bad news out first, but he doesn't leave it there. He backs it up then with some good news. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. John then gives us more good news on that topic. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus gave his life for ours, put our needs before his own. John 11.25, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. Because of Jesus, we can die to self and become alive in God. He mentions resurrection here. Jesus's resurrection from the dead, it gave us the assurance of something. He gave us eternal life. He is the giver of good, good gifts and the, the assurance of eternal life is a good gift. Do you know why we say this world is not our home? It's because of what Jesus gave that we can say that. Do you ever wonder why we, as sinful as we are, can be accepted and loved? by God. It's because of what Jesus gave, what Jesus did. Do you ever ask how Christians that live in such a sinful, wicked, and sin-ravaged world can still experience joy, love, and assurance? It's because of what Jesus gave. I pray that today, that you will find some quiet time. You might have to fight for it. You might have to dig for it. You might have to put some other things to the side. But I pray that you will take some time, do the hard work to set a time, a, a, a bit of quiet time aside to contemplate the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus and what it means to you. Reflect upon what Jesus gave. I hope that you reflect upon all the good gifts that Jesus gave. He gave us a way back to God and rest for our souls. He gave us confidence, a purpose, and a direction. He gave us the cures for greed and worry. He gave us hope and peace. He gave us his life, and an example to follow. 
he gave us the assurance of eternal life. Jesus gave us everything. Everything. Won't you accept it, dear friends? Won't you accept that good gift? Don't put it on a shelf, still wrapped. Take it down, unwrap it. Enjoy it, appreciate it. Allow your heart to be filled with thankfulness, gratefulness. Won't you thank Jesus for all that he gave? And don't just thank him with your lips. Thank him with your life. Your life lived for him and for others. Jesus gave us so many good gifts, and I believe it's now our time to ask him what he would have us to give, both to him and to others. Jesus gave so we could live, and Jesus gave so that we could give. Before we pray this morning, I'm going to invite Gary Bishop to come forward to stand at the foot of the steps as our elder in charge today. And for those of you, maybe it's your first time, I just want you to know that after I have the benediction, you who wish can be dismissed. But if there is anybody here with a special request, a special need, maybe even a a special praise that you just wanna share, Gary will be over there after the prayer. I will step down on this side. And we would love to hear from you. We would love to talk with you. And we would love to lift your petition or your praise up to the throne of grace. Let us pray. Our loving, gracious, heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you so much for Jesus. It's very easy in this world, in this time, to get so caught up with the hustle and bustle of life but also with all of the the, the calamities and, and negativity and the horrible atrocities that are happening all around this world. Lord, we don't want to ignore them and act as if they aren't an issue. We want to be a part of, of helping, yes. But in the midst of all that, Lord, I pray that you would convict us in our hearts to take moments in our daily lives to reflect upon all of the good gifts that you have given to us so that we can experience thankfulness and gratefulness in our heart, that we can have hope, that we can have peace, that we can have the assurance of salvation, all because of what Jesus gave, all because of what Jesus did. Lord, I pray that you would fill us with your spirit, that you would fill us with your light so that we would have something to share with others. Lord, I pray today as as we spend a little bit of time alone with you, that you would reveal to us the opportunities that you've laid out before us that you would give us those opportunities to share your love and your grace with others, that you would give us opportunities to spread your good news message. Lord, help us to be light and salt in our communities. Lord, we thank you for all of these gifts. 
We ask this all in the name of Jesus, and we believe that there is power in that name. Amen and amen.